Open your Bible to Romans chapter number 8, please. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. So glad you're here. I remember becoming a dad for the first time. The first time is the, the probably the most, uh, what's the word? Life-changing, I guess, is the polite way to say it. But something happens when you become a father that is, that is a, a bit of a dichotomy, but when you know the Lord, it makes perfect sense. You, you become softer in a way. Uh, let me give you an example. <clears throat> when, when I dated Crystal, she lived in a town called Texas City, and I lived in a town called Beaumont, and I was about 100 miles away from her, uh, door to door, and I would drive down there after school as best I could, or I would drive down there on the weekend, I would go see her, and I would stay at her house. Uh, uh, she lived with her parents. I would stay at her house. They set up a nice guest room for me and everything. And, and I, I, it got to the place where I had to tell her, I said, baby, I said, listen, I love you. I couldn't love you more than I love you. She's looking at me. I couldn't love you more than I love you. Uh, but if your parents keep hugging me, I'm not coming to your house anymore. I said, we'll just have to meet at like the store or something. Because, because I, I was, I was, how do they call it? I was, uh, I was not from a family where we hugged a lot. Now my mom, I'm one of three boys, so it was four including my dad, and then my mom, so it was like a locker room growing up. So there was a lot of punching, there was a lot of pinching, uh, uh, believe it or not, there was a lot of uh, slapping on the rear end when something good happened, which is weird, I know, I don't understand it. But if you watch sports, you know, I even see my kids are like, uh, like we're watching uh, the, the, the Aggie baseball game. And one of them hits a home run and all the others are like, good job, good job. And Walker Lee, my little seven-year-old, he goes, Daddy, why are they slapping him on the bum? I'm just like, I don't even know, man. It's just different. But I grew up in a very locker room mentality. It was... It was, uh, 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 you know, there was a lot of this going on. You, you would, we would all have our first portion of the meal, whatever the meal was. We would eat it as fast as we could. And then we would go over to the stove where all the food was and we would ask the question. We would say, has everybody got all they wanted? Because we were planning on taking the rest of the pot and putting it on our plate. And eating it. It was just the way of the locker room mentality. Uh, so then I, I meet Crystal and I become uh, what the, the great theologian Thumper calls uh, Twitter-pated. I was overwhelmingly enthralled with this young lady. And so I would, I would study hard so I didn't have to do all my homework and I would, uh, or I just wouldn't do it, bless God. And I would, I would, I would change my work schedule around so I could go see her. But she, her culture was so different than my culture because listen, they didn't walk out of the room. Like one of them's gonna go wash their hands to get ready for dinner and somebody's gonna say, okay, I love you, baby. And I'm like, they're going to wash their hands. <laughs> so one of them goes to walk by and like, just give me one more hug, one more hug. And I'm like a porcupine walking backwards into the house. I'm trying to throw off every don't hug me vibe that I can. Ring the doorbell. I'm like, please let it be crystal. Please let it be crystal. Please let it be crystal. It's not crystal. 
Brian, we're so glad you're here. I'm like, get away from me. And they're like, good to see you. Not really. I told her, I said, I can't do it. I can't say I love you when you go wash your hands. And I justified it. I'm like, I feel like it waters it down. You heathen men, that's what y'all say. Doesn't water it down. I feel like it waters it down. When I say it, I want it to mean something. Because I'm a man. Then I had Haley. She walks in the room. And I say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Come here to me. Let me hug you. Let me kiss you. Do you need anything? I love you, I love you, I love you. Now Crystal walks in the room. I love you, I love you, I love you. And I go to hug her and she's like, get away from me. There's something that happens to a man when he becomes a father. Maybe some of you are a dad for the first time. Maybe you know exactly what I'm saying. Maybe you're not a daddy yet. You feel like that porcupine. Something happens when you become a father and it softens who you are but at the same time, it toughens you up. I, I, it's hard to explain. I remember one time we were fishing at my parents' house. They used to live on this lake and they had a dock. And my son was like 18 months old and he was toddling around the dock. And uh, we're fishing and we're catching a bunch of fish and everything's wonderful. And he goes to walk up to the dock where the handrail was and he tries to grab the handrail, which he'd done several times but instead he falls into the lake. Muddy water lake. Not beautiful lake. Well, it was beautiful, but it's just muddy. You know, you can't see the bottom. So he falls in and just disappears. And without a thought, I jump over the rail. I dive to the bottom of the lake. I drag my fingers around where I think he is. I, I, I drove mud so far up my fingernails, I thought I was going to have to have him cut off. And I pulled and I found his little body and I came to the top and I heard him crying. It was the best noise I'd ever heard because I knew it was okay if he was crying. I pick him up and I go to hand him to my dad. And then I said, no, you're the one who let him fall in. Here, Crystal. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. I love you. I love you. Beaver one. Something happens when you become a father. I probably would have jumped in the lake for your kid too. But because it was mine, there was no thought. Is the water cold? Is the water deep? Is there an alligator in the water? Nothing. Because when you become a father, what becomes important to you is the livelihood and the benefit of your children. Romans chapter number 8, verse 35. Romans 8, verse 35. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or, or nakedness or peril of sword? As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Then he says, no. In all things, everybody say all things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. This applies to everybody. But gentlemen, let me talk to you for just a minute. Uh, there's a movie that, 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 that used to play, it probably still plays sometimes, uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was called Cull or Crawl or something like that, The Conqueror. And he was this big guy that, you know, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's just humongous, and he had this sword, and he would go, and I don't know if I've ever seen the whole thing, but he would go and fight all the, the bad guys or good guys. I don't know if he was a good guy or bad guy, but he was a conqueror. He would go and conquer everything. And, and listen, if God did nothing but make you a conqueror, that would be wonderful. And that's how we feel a lot of times, guys. We want to be the conqueror. We, we don't want the small problems. We don't want the, 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 the middle of the road stuff. Give me something to conquer. Give me something to defeat. Give me something to take care of. Oh, did you say the washing machine's broke? Well, get out of the way because I got a blowtorch. I'm about to fix something, bless God. We feel like we have to conquer something. All of a sudden, you, 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 somebody knocks on the door, you know, at, at, at three o'clock in the afternoon or five o'clock in the afternoon, and you feel you go into conqueror mode. You go into, who's knocking on my door? Bless God, it's my house. I tell you what, I'm the man. I'm a conqueror. You feel like everything inside of you. You let one person look crazy, your kid at Kroger, and you switch gears into the conqueror. You're a conqueror. And here's, here's the thing. I don't want you to stop being a conqueror. I don't want you to stop being passionate about uh, protecting your family. I don't want you to say, the Bible says, no greater love does a man have than he lay his life down for his friend. I don't want you to stop putting yourself in the middle of harm, in between harm's way and what's trying to come to your family. I'm just trying to tell you that God didn't say you're just a conqueror. He said you're more than a conqueror. Which means you can still be the dishwasher blowtorch guy. You can still be the fix the thing when it's not even broke guy. But you can also be the, let me read you a story, baby. Because you're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. Which means any situation that you come across, you can do because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Which means when, when the situation calls for the conqueror, I'm the conqueror. When the situation calls for the beaver song, I'm the beaver song. Because I am more than a conqueror. Number one, if you're taking notes. Do not be pushed around spiritually. 
Take every one of those ideas, take every one of those thoughts that's ingrained in who you are that says whenever you were 16. See, a lot of those things that, 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 that came on you when you were 13 to 16 years old and you started getting tougher than you were, you know, you were 10 feet tall and bulletproof, you were all those things. They're not bad things. They just have to be directed in the correct way. For whatever reason, we get to be 13, 16, 18 years old and all of a sudden we feel like we have something to prove to everybody and we feel like nobody's going to push me into a corner and we feel like nobody's going to uh, mess with me and if somebody bumped you in the hall at school you were ready to drop your books and go to town and now the devil's been beating you up for the last 20 years and you haven't hit him back I want you to be more than a conqueror through Christ don't get pushed around spiritually you say well the devil's never been to my house baloney he comes in through your phone. He comes in through your TV. He comes in through your poor attitude when you come home from work. He comes in through your doubt and unbelief. And I'm trying to tell you to set your feet, stand on the solid rock, which is Christ Jesus, and decide I'm not going to be pushed around spiritually. So what do I do? It means that I believe God. How do you believe God? In every situation. What do I believe? I believe that He wants to bless me coming in and bless me going out. And if anything's coming against my family or my life that is contrary to that, that's what I push back against. He's a good father. Maybe one of the greatest songs written in the last decade. He's a good, good father. You have to put everything through the lens of He's a good father. What would you want for your children? Now multiply it times a million and that's what He wants for you. Would you ever want your children to be sick? Would you ever want your children to do without? This is who He is to you and me. But you and me, men, we have to stand up and become more than a conqueror and choose that we are not going to have our family pushed around spiritually not one more minute in Jesus' name. Let me tell you what your kids do. They key off of that. I'm going to do a series, uh, probably going to start in August. I'm going to call it Raising Godly Kids in an Ungodly World. You want to know how to raise godly kids, you don't want to miss that series. But I'll tell you one of the biggest keys. Number one, you live for God in front of them. You say, well, that, that, that's just making a show of it. You're a show whether you want to be or not. You just as well show them the way in which they should go so that when they get older, they won't depart from it. Yeah. Giving some of my keys to my series coming up. But number two, if you're taking notes, men, honor and submission to authority are only measurable in the way you receive what you do not like. Honor and submission to authority are only measurable in the way you receive what you do not like. If you get stopped because you did not uh, pay attention to the stop sign and one of uh, College Station or Brian's Finest is giving you a piece of paper that's going to cost you more than the ink on it and you're in front of your kids, hear me now, shame on you if you do not submit to authority. 
He said, well, they're wrong about it. Your kids are watching you. It's only measurable in how you receive what you don't like. Have you ever heard the, the, the example of there's a cat sitting in somebody's lap and the cat's getting petted? But the problem is they're petting the cat at the wrong way. The cat's facing this way and he's petting it. So he's petting the, the hair the wrong way. You say, what's the solution? The cat better turn around. This book is the ultimate authority. This book establishes the fivefold ministry. This book establishes precepts. This book establishes ideologies. This book establishes culture. And I don't care if your family used to do it differently. If you find out the Word of God says something different, your job is to honor the Word of God and submit to the Word of God even when you don't like at first what you are receiving because the Bible says that if you will consume the Word of God, you will begin to produce likened after the seed that you take in and which, which also falls down on your family. So you've got to teach your children, mom and dad, dads especially today, honor and submission to authority. And it doesn't count when you're happy. It counts when you don't like it. It counts when you don't initially agree. Number three, everybody say number three. The heroes of our Bible are not girly men. I'm not talking about how you dress. I'm not talking about how you talk. I'm not talking about how you even walk. I don't care. But the heroes of our Bible were men. The priests in our Bible were not just responsible for giving a message on Sunday morning. The priests in our Bible were responsible for preparing the sacrifices which would mean cutting the wood, which would mean building the altar, which would mean being aware of how to build the altar. And the only way you would know that is you have to be submitted and honoring the Word of God. You have to know what the book says. They would build the altar. Then they would take the animal and they would kill the animal, which I don't know if you've ever been a hunter or a fisherman, but it's not a clean thing to kill an animal. And in the Old Testament, the priests, they had to uh, uh, do certain things in certain order, which means they were submitted to uh, proper order in the things of God. These were not girly men by any stretch. When the man of God came to anoint the next king of Israel, when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel, and he came to, Je he came to Jesse's house, the Bible says they ran out to meet him to ask him, are you coming here peaceably or no? Because the men of God from our Bible, when they said it, they meant it. David, uh, he fought lions, he fought bears, he killed them with his bare hands. You say, well, I hadn't seen a lion or a bear. Well, I'm talking spiritually. Are there lions and bears creeping around your house? No. Lions and bears, giants. This is what David did. Let everybody else swat the flies. 
You're more than a conqueror. Which means, would you leave the little stuff alone, sir? Would you try to would you please stop trying to set the temperature of the room with your attitude? Is today Wednesday? Lions and bears, altars and sacrifices. Joshua one time, he prayed this. He was in a fight and God was fighting with him and they were uh, just absolute destroying, I believe it was the Amorites if I remember right. And he didn't pray that God would deliver him from the battle. He said, God, would you just make the sun stand still so I can fight a little longer? The heroes of our Bible were men of war. The Bible says the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take by force. Then you got to tie in, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a caveman. You win when you get yourself on your knees. You win when you go into the bedroom and you lay hands on your children and you pray the blessing of God over them. You win when your wife walks in and you decide you're not going to be a porcupine. You're going to hug her, not because you need a hug, you heathen, because she needs a hug. Of course, I joke about heathen. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. You're not what you were, especially if you're a dad. The Bible says there's lots of teachers, but there's very few fathers. See, teachers oftentimes have the information, but especially in this day and age, they don't have the authority. When I was a kid, if you acted up in school, the teacher would drag you out in the hall and hit you with a board. I'm not saying we should go back to that. I'm just telling you they had more authority. But daddies oftentimes have all the authority, even if they don't walk in it. Sometimes they lack the information. And the Bible says for lack of knowledge, people perish. God's people perish. Dads, it's our job, it's our role, it's our opportunity, and we have total authority to take dominion over everything that tries to rise up against our family. But if you're not looking for the lions and the bears, if you're not looking for the giants, if you're not praying, God, just let me fight a little bit longer, you're going to find yourself stuck in some kind of a rut and you will just be pushed around spiritually. And the problem is, if you're pushed around, your family's pushed around. David had a group of mighty men that followed him around. One, the Bible says, he fought so much that his sword couldn't even be pulled from his hand. The Bible says that Jesus will come back one day riding on a horse, which proves Jesus is a cowboy, number one. Number two, the Bible says that there is a sword that will come out of his mouth which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6 says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, if you want to be a mighty man in God, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, should be so entangled in who you are that it can't be pulled from your grip. 
A circumstance can't be pulled from, can't pull it from your grip. An issue can't pull it from your grip. An offense can't pull it from your grip. You, you can't just get bent with the kingdom of God because somebody in the kingdom did something to you. You just hold on. But David's mighty men were mighty and knew what to do. Get this, because they saw David do it. You want to raise up some mighty men and women underneath you? You want to raise up a mighty family of God? Get good at praying that God would send you to the fight. I love first responders for a lot of reasons, and I'm sure there may be some issues uh, uh, with different groups around the country. But what I know is when somebody calls 911, they run to the fire, not from the fire. As men, we have an opportunity to be more than a conqueror through Christ. Lastly, and I close with this. You hardly ever hear the name Abraham without hearing Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. On down. You hardly hear the name Solomon without knowing he was David's son. Number four, you can never be the father God's called you to be until you understand first you're his son. The prodigal son, Jesus tells a parable, and the prodigal son took everything that he had and he went and he wasted it. He went in sin, lived in squalor, partied till it was all gone, only to find himself staring at what a bunch of pigs were eating and wishing he could eat that. And to a Jewish young man, you can't get lower than that. There was another son that stayed home but had a deep-seated root of bitterness because he thought somebody else was getting something better than him. But when the son who left decided to come home, the Bible says that the father didn't sit at the kitchen table and when he opened the door, say, well, finally, you came to your senses. It doesn't say that after you've lived here clean, for five weeks, then I will talk to you, you heathen. He, he didn't say, you have to earn your way back to my graces. No, he got up, was looking down the road in expectation that his son might come home that day, sees him way in the distance, runs to him, covers all of his sin with a coat, puts shoes on his feet to make sure that he knows that his peace was important to him, that the son's peace was important to the father, puts a ring on his finger to make sure that everybody knows this boy has the authority of the father. And lastly, he says, make sure that you guys go get that fatted calf and I want a ribeye on the plate for my son before it's over because the Bible says he supplies your needs according to his riches and glory, not according to your ability to follow. In order to be the Father God wants you to be, you have to recognize you're a son first. The other son heard the party, the welcome party, 
He didn't want to come in because he was so bitter. He was so put out that his brother was having a party. And the dad didn't sit inside and say, fine, he can stay out in the cold. We're going to party like it's 1999. The Bible says he went out. King James says this, and entreated him. And he explained to him, he said, he said, what's the matter, son? Maybe you don't like hearing things like this, but being a dad, I could hear a dad's voice say it this way. What's the matter, baby? What's the matter, mijo? Dad, I've been here working for you, doing everything I was supposed to do. You didn't give me a party. You never gave me a calf. Where's my steak? It sounds funny, but in our life, it sounds more like this. God, I'm doing everything I thought I was supposed to do, but how come they got a new house? God, I, why did they get the promotion? I, I'm more qualified. I'm the one who's done this. I'm the one who's done that. I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you that's what he was saying. But in both occasions, old Papa Bear comes out. On one, one was expecting punishment, but the father knew he just needed mercy. The other was expecting a party, but the father knew he needed chastening. Whom the father loves, he chastens, he corrects. He says, now listen to me. I need, I need the, the, the eyes of your understanding to open. Don't you remember you've eaten every calf that we've ever had for the last 10 years? Don't you remember everything I have belongs to you? And, and I personally can see the shift take place in that sun when the light bulb goes off and goes, wait a minute, I might not have what he has today, but I've never had lack. I've never been without. I've never been without a place to sleep. This is the, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me was staying in the house of God, was staying at my father's house. I don't understand it all, but the best thing that ever happened to me was the ongoing decision to stay committed to the father. You'll never be the father God has called you to be until you first understand who you are as a son. I think it's time for the men of God to be men of God. I think it's time for us to refuse to be pushed around spiritually. I think it's time to teach our children 
what submission and honor can bring to a family. And I think it's time we start acting like the heroes from our Bible. And lastly, I think it's time that we remember whose we are before we try to be just a conqueror. Because in reality, He's made you and me so much more than that. Give God a hand of praise.